Feel free, Brooklyn. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another edition of What Would Kay Say? I'm your host, Kay Edwards. And as usual, I am so happy to be here with all of you. Thank you for tuning in this morning. How is everyone doing on this lovely Sunday morning? It's a little cool here in Brooklyn, but the sun is shining. The skies are clear, so we're happy for that. And before I really get into talking today, let me get all the housekeeping out of the way. Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign is underway. In May, Radio Free Brooklyn turns five years old, and we need to raise $25,000 so we can continue bringing you commercial-free, independent radio for another five years. Because we think raising money should be fun, each month we'll be bringing listeners fun challenges with some great prizes. And 
the cha- the challenges that they give are little like quizzes that you can go online. You can take the trivia questions and see if um if you can answer the questions that they're giving you. And if you come into the top, I guess it's a certain a certain score you have to get. And once you get that score, you win a radio free t shirt, Brooklyn. So when you do it, please enter what would Kay say as your favorite show when taking the quiz? And I'll get a prize as well. Hey, it's always sweet. You get one, I get one. Like a buy one, get one free. This is cute. It also says here, yeah, you go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, drive to five. That's where you can take the quizzes, make donations. If you want to leave us a message for our birthday, our number is 718-673-8201. Or if you just want to leave a message and say how much you love listening to Radio Free Brooklyn and how much you love listening to What Would Kay Say on Sunday mornings. Now, if you want to get in touch with me, my number is 718-928-9732. And you can call me right here at the station and we can just chat. So now, today, normally you know that... I usually have something planned. I usually always try to have a show planned in advance so that I have something to say when I get here. Not that I'm any, not that I'm ever, I'm not that I'm ever at a challenge for what to talk about. It's just some things I like to have written out. So I know exactly what I'm talking about. And a lot of times I'm giving you things that I want to give you the facts behind it so that everyone understands exactly what I'm talking about. But today's show actually came to me yesterday. And I've noticed God has been doing this with me lately. And I guess he's trying to, if I'm understanding it correctly, he's trying to move me out of my comfort zone. Now, you know, we all said that we were going to put our five-year plan together We knew what we wanted to do. We were setting little mini goals for ourselves. And we were, you know, checking them off the list, accomplishing them as they came along. I've been doing that as well. I had my list set up because I know I've committed myself to this journey of speaking that he's put in my heart. So with that, I didn't know exactly, like I said, where I'm going to end up with this. But I know there are things along the way that I should be doing to get myself totally prepared for where he has me to go. And like we said, you got to keep moving. You're only going to get where you need to go by taking one step at a time. So with that, and I always say, you know, I always say when I say things on the air, it's for myself to listen to as well. because. I'm going to take you through, today's show is going to be a life, a, a day in the life of Kay. That's what we're going to talk about today. And it's going to be all about yesterday because yesterday turned out to be a day that I would, it would not have been a day that I would have orchestrated for myself, but I'm going to give you yesterday everything that I went through as an example, because number one, some of the information that I'm going to share with you, some of you might be interested in this. So that's a plus. And just the fact of just to reiterate, 
in order for us to get where we want to go in our journey, we have to do things differently than we normally do. Now, with that being said, I don't really like, I don't have a problem with change. Because if change is going to happen, it's going to happen. I can just do it. And if it's a change, it's a change. Now, the change I'm talking about is if it's a change, say if I'm in a work environment and a new policy comes out that I have to now follow or implement, I'm fine with that. You know, if we if it was something changed up from the way we used to do it, yeah, you might, everybody grumbles a little bit. Well, why do we have to change it up? It was working fine. You know, now you might have put in these extra steps or now maybe you're leaving something out and everybody has their opinion about whatever the change is, but we all conform and we do it. That type of change, I don't have a problem with. The change that I have a problem with is when I have to implement it myself. See, I like things to be a certain way. And I like doing them that way. And I'm talking about just with myself. Like I'm a homebody. I love to stay in the house. I can stay in the house forever if I didn't have to come out. I'm just, I just love being home. And I guess it's just a characteristic of if you're into astrology and you know the signs, it's a characteristic of my sign that we, we're homebodies. We like to stay close to home base because that's our comfort zone. Well, for whatever God has for me to do, he now has me in this journey, leaving my comfort zone. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, not that I'm resisting because I said I was no longer going to resist, but it makes me feel a little apprehensive because it's something that I really don't want to do, but I force myself to do it. So now we're going to go back to yesterday. I attended um, a workshop, and it was actually called The Basis of Community Organizing Neighborhood Leadership Institute Workshop. Now, it's sponsored by Citizens Committee of New York City. Now, this was just one of the classes. It's actually a five-class series on how to become a community organizer. So now I know you're probably saying, hmm, she's going to classes to learn how to do community organizing. That's the same thing I said. But let me roll back. You know how you have when they have on television, when they're like, they, they have something and they show you what happened. And then they're like three months prior, three months earlier. Well, let's roll back to three months earlier. Last year, I got an email because I'm a member of my block association, of course. I got an email through the Block Association that they had these different links just telling us there's someone that's on, I believe she works for the city. I believe she works for New York City. I'm not sure in what capacity. But whenever there's something that's going on that she feels the Block should know, like a community board meeting or any type of protest or anything happening somewhere, she'll usually send out an email. If she's aware of it, she'll send out an email to the, the mass that's on the email list for the block association. And so we all know what's going on. So if we want to attend or find out or get extra information about it, we can do so. She sent out an email last year. And this was one of the links in the email. And as I was reading it, I saw that it said, Community organizing, 
But I just, I don't know what made me click into it, but I clicked into it just to see exactly what they were talking about. So as I went through the email, it was talking about, there was a a list of five classes that you can take if you want to be, um, if you want to become a community organizer after you take the five classes, it's like they give you a certificate that you are fully versed in whatever it is you do. So I guess when you go to present yourself to any New York City agency, they can see that, okay, they have gone through the process and they know exactly what needs to be done. So they know who they're dealing with. For whatever reason, at that time, three months ago, I figured, oh, wow, this is interesting. Let me sign up for it. So, you know, three months, three months ago, you're not thinking about an email you sent to a stranger about a group of classes that just on a whim, you were like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Lo and behold, come January, I get an email. And it's, oh, we're just here to remind you, congratulations. Yes, you've been chosen to take our uh, series of classes on community organizing. So when I read that email, I'm like, what are, what are they talking about? So I open the email and it's telling me, oh, yes, Kay, you've been, you know, selected to take the classes for community organizing. Our first class is on Saturday, February 8th. And they give me the address and they tell me the time, you know, make sure you get there early because we want to start on time and end on time. We're going to be serving lunch, blah, blah, blah. You know, let us know if you're not going to be able to attend because others would like to come and we want to free up the seat to someone else that might want to attend. So as I'm reading this, this was last week. I'm like, when did I sign up for this? So then I go back through my emails and lo and behold, I find it. Needless to say, I said all that as an introduction to say, when you move out of your comfort zone and you do things that you wouldn't normally do, you'll find out you get, there's a wealth of information out there that you would not have been able to obtain had you not have taken the steps to do the change. Going to this class, not that I, like, I don't know if I'm going to be doing anything with community organizing, but it's not that I don't know. I don't know exactly where this journey is taking me, but with this speaking, I might be a community organizer. That might be one of the, another forum with me speaking that I might have to be out there getting a message out to people. With this, now I have the book in front of me and I said I was going to go through it because some people just might have some things that they want to get out there, some issues that have been on their heart, but they don't know how to get people to take an interest in it. And this is what I found fascinating. When I went to this meeting, the meeting covered, there was someone there from every borough in New York City. Majority Brooklyn, of course, because, hey, Brooklyn's the largest. So there was neighborhoods throughout Brooklyn. We had Bedford-Stuyvesant was in the house for sure. There was a lot of people from Bedford-Syverson. We had Flatbush. We had Crown Heights. We had Clinton Hill. We had downtown Brooklyn. We had Park Slope. We had Sunset Park. We had um, Gravesend. We had, I mean, there was just Coney Island. There were just so many people from Brooklyn that was there. We had Williamsburg. Then you had from the Bronx, you had Hunts Point. You had, um, 
I don't even know the places in the Bronx, but they were saying their names. And then the guy would have to say the Bronx because when they were saying the names of their neighborhood, I was like, I don't even know where that place is. But it was the Bronx. And that's just that even goes to show you how much I in all the five boroughs. I don't know anything about the Bronx. I know nothing about the Bronx. I worked for a company that we had a garage in the Bronx. That's all I knew about the Bronx. I couldn't even tell you how to travel to the Bronx. I know nothing at all about the Bronx. We had Queens there. We had one guy came from Staten Island, and that's what the um, the facilitator was saying. He was like, now we definitely have all five boroughs covered because normally they don't get people from Staten Island. But one guy did actually come from Staten Island. But that just showed me how interested people are, especially in this time of trying to solve issues in their community, and they're really serious about it. So as I'm sitting there and I'm listening to the different conversations that are going on, you know, some of them that were there, they knew each other because they're already community organizers. They already do little things within their neighborhoods to make change. So when he gave us an exercise and one of the exercises was he split us into groups. Now, there was over 40 of us there yesterday. So he split us into groups and he had us if we had to build an ideal community, what would it consist of? My group had about 10 people in it, and you had to pick a facilitator, someone to draw it out after you had gotten the whole list of what you wanted to be in your community, and we had someone that was writing down the notes. So, of course, they chose me to be the facilitator. Um, so when we were going around to each of us saying what we wanted – and even after I spoke to other people in their group, so when we finally did the exercise and everyone was talking about their pictures that they drew for their ideal community, people in New York, because we're so, we're so, um, we're so congested. And it's not that we were saying we didn't want people here because we're so congested. What it, everyone was looking for for their neighborhood they wanted more parks. They wanted more seating spaces, which now we're starting to see. New York City is starting to put more of those pedestrian seating areas in. And I guess it was Bloomberg that had started that initiative with everything with the you know, pedestrian seating and wanted to make the area where people could just have tables and chairs and putting more benches in areas where they weren't before you could actually sit down if you needed to rest. People, I guess earlier they must have been from whatever community issues they were talking about from them. They were already given this to the mayor's office those years back. So now we're starting to see a lot of this come in, in certain neighborhoods. But the biggest thing that everyone there was talking about was besides having the seating areas and more park space, they wanted, and they kept terming it clean food. And now see, I'm someone who, I don't know these new, I don't know this new terminology that people have. Like if I say something, it's just, I'm saying it what it is. But now they have these coined phrases for how they describe things. So they kept saying, we want clean food. We want clean food. And in my mind, I'm like, what is clean food? So at one point I was just like, what is clean food? So it was like 
food that's grown with your own hands. I said, oh, like community gardens and stuff. They were like, yeah, but much more than that, like they want the local produce. They want the farmers in the local areas to grow the fruits and vegetables and distribute it to the various neighborhoods. And they were saying how there were some um, underprivileged neighborhoods who, when they get produce, it's actually rotten when it comes in. And I wasn't aware of this. I wasn't aware that there are some supermarkets that, because there were some people there actually talking about it. They were talking about places in Far Rockaway and they were talking about places up in the Bronx that when they went shopping in their neighborhood supermarket, the food the food was already rotten when you went to purchase it. So like, you know, if you go to like, if I go to my neighborhood supermarket and I'm looking to buy meat or I'm looking to buy oranges or cherries or grapes or whatever, my fruit is always glistening. It's always like, it's actually yelling for me to come over. Please take me home. And I'm usually like, mm, I'm not interested in you right now. And I should be, but I... I usually just pass it by, maybe a banana or two, but usually I pass it by. But I'm saying, well, even when you go to the meat section or if you want to get um, for salads, if you want to get like carrots or the different types of lettuce or kale and, you know, or collard greens even, I have, we have the type that's in the bag already that's prepackaged. Or you could actually pick up a head of lettuce and decide what you want to get. If you want to get cabbage, or if you, like I said, if you want to get kale or broccoli. We have the fresh bunches that's there. So you can pick out your own, get as much as you want, you weigh it, and then you, you know, you purchase it after, you know, after it weighs up. They were saying that when they would go to their neighborhood supermarkets, that the produce was actually, when you got there, it was already rotten. When they were looking at their, um, like the food, the fruit was already decaying. And when they were going to get their meats, the meats, the expiration date on it, was maybe three days ago, but they still had it out selling it. But what they were saying was not that the meat sat in the store all that time and no one purchased it. When it was delivered to the store, if you're not there the day that it's delivered, because it'll have a sell-by date, and the sell-by date is usually the day that they deliver it. So like if I, in the Bronx, if they had a delivery, say the delivery was tomorrow, the sell-by date on the meat that they were getting would say February 10th. Not if like if I go to the store, my sell by date may say something like, depending on what type of meat I'm buying, it could be into next week. But they're saying when they go, their sell by dates is either that date it's, it's delivered or when they get there, it's already three days old. So I was really surprised by that. I didn't know that this stuff was going on in certain neighborhoods and you wouldn't know unless you live there. And I would never know. If I had not gone to this meeting and I know it probably sounds very shallow or you're like, well, where have you been? This has been happening all this time. But, you know, when you live in. When you live in your world. And that's all you know is your world and that's all you deal with is your world. You don't know what's going on outside. Because you don't me. Okay, I'm bringing it back to me. All of you may be very versed in all this. You may be far more ahead of me when it comes to stuff like this. And if you are, God bless you. I'm glad you know all this information. But for me, it was an eye opener. I did not know that people were actually getting rotten food delivered to their supermarket for them to buy. I did not know that they could not. I knew they had been talking about not being able to get fresh produce, not being able to get fresh produce. And a lot of it, 
I used to think was because for educational purposes, because fresh produce is healthier, sometimes people don't want that alternative to have that healthy food. They'd rather have other things that are quick and easy to consume. But if you did decide that you wanted a decent orange or banana, you should be able to go pick one up and it should be edible and not that you have to be there as soon as it comes off the truck. That's like saying I have to be at the tree when it falls. Stop. You know, it's like stop. So I was surprised by that. And there were a lot of people there that because of what was happening in their communities with things like that, when it came to food, when it came to park space and um, what else were they talking about? That was a big issue. There was another thing that was a, a really big issue. And I was like, just surprised. And I guess actually to say, not even just surprised, but you know what it was? It reminded me, taking things for granted. And it's not like I consciously take things for granted. You know, it's not like I just say, oh, well, you know, it's supposed to be like that for me, so that's the way it is and that's the way it is. No, that's not what I'm thinking when it's happening. But like I said, when you're in your world and your world has whatever it is that you need and it's comfortable, you don't really think about, or if you do think about it, you're not thinking about it being that way in your own city, you're not thinking about, you're thinking about people that don't have anything. You know, I would never think that in New York city that they would be getting delivered rotten food. I don't know. It just didn't cross my mind that that would be something that was going on. We're just too huge for something like that. I could see not having fresh produce that I can understand because not every place is going to have the fruit stands and the fruit markets and the, um, Farmers markets and things like that. Not every place has that. They just really started trying to put that in a lot of different, even in Brooklyn, they didn't have it in some areas. You had to go to certain places to find the farmers markets and stuff. But it's not like as if you couldn't get produce in your own neighborhood. You just couldn't get it from a farmer's market, which is not a big deal, you know. But these places, they didn't have anything. So I was fat. I was taken back by that. And just the, the, passion, the passion that these people have when it comes to their causes. Like one group had a lot of people that were in wheelchairs because there were people in wheelchairs that was there as well. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is a really big to do when it comes to this community organizing, because this was a set. Okay. You have to picture this. It's a Saturday morning in the city. So these people are coming from their neighborhoods. The, like I said, the Bronx and the Bronx. I don't care where you go in New York City. The Bronx is far. When you have to come from the Bronx to travel into the city, it seems like it's like forever. It's like it's just so out of the way. So you had people coming from the Bronx in their wheelchairs. And we already know that a lot of the stations, when it comes to the MTA, they don't have elevators. So that's one of the things that they were talking about as well, how they wanted the transportation system to be set up that they can have. It's more accessible to people with wheelchairs or people that's walking with um, canes or have other disabilities. And this was, I mean, these people were really there and passionate about this stuff. Not that I did. I wasn't aware that 
all these things were happening. But when you when it's not on the forefront of what you're dealing with, it's just someone else's issue. And that's the way it is. So when I went to this, when I went to this meeting yesterday and I saw all those people and then I got to talk to them one on one and find out the ones that were actively community organizers and what it is they were trying to get into their neighborhoods. I was just like standing there like, wow. It was like really wow. But I'm going to give you some of the the highlights of what we learned yesterday if you want to become a community organizer. So the first thing they're saying is you have to have an initial outreach. You have to find out in your neighborhood if there's anyone that's even interested in taking up the cause like you are. Because just because you see a cause, that doesn't mean that everybody in the neighborhood sees that same cause as being something that's important. So once you do a little canvassing or just talk to people just randomly or people that you might even know and just say, hey, you know, what do you think about ABCD? And if it's something that a lot of people are thinking, like I was surprised with the whole clean food thing, um, then that could be a cause that you can take up. So once you do that, you talk to neighbors and community residents and ask them their thoughts about what's going on in the neighborhood. What would they like to see as improvements or what other concerns that they may have and ask them if they would be interested in doing something about the issues that they were concerned with. And then you talk to your community leaders as well. It's like you talk to whoever your council person is or your assembly person is, and you talk to them to see if maybe they might have already started a program for what it is that you feel should be changed. Because sometimes these things are already in the works and we're just not aware of it. But if you go to them and they tell you, well, yeah, we do have, um, we have a committee set up and we're trying to work on that. You can possibly join with them. You can still make your own little group for the neighborhood, but at least now you know you have someone in a higher place that could also assist you in whatever it is that you need to change in your neighborhood. And then if they see that the people in the neighborhood are really interested and it's really a cause that they want to change, it makes that committee even more dedicated to getting it done. Because now it just doesn't seem like, oh, they're just a committee and, oh, we're just going to blanket. This is what they want for Brooklyn. But if you have a neighborhood in Brooklyn who's really, it's like, okay, we can use that one neighborhood even if we use that as the initial neighborhood to show everyone else what it is we want to do, that helps your cause as well. Then they say you have to form a core group. Now, these are the people that you identified that are really passionate about the cause as you are. And then you put a meeting together and you sit down and you share why is this issue of importance to you? And how do you think it's going to benefit the entire neighborhood? Because when you're doing this community organizing, it can't be about self. It can't be that I don't like the fact that they pick up garbage on Tuesdays because I I want garbage to be picked up on Monday. But now if that's the city mandate to pick up garbage on Tuesday for your block, that's not something to get a committee organized for because you just happen to not like putting out garbage on Tuesday. It has to be something that, is an ill in the neighborhood that is totally like an injustice, so to speak. 
and enough people can say, yeah, you know what? I noticed that and I really didn't think about it much. But now that you bring it to my attention, yeah, I would like to see that changed. And then once you get that group together and you have that meeting, then you sit down and you hash out different reasons why you want it changed. And then you try to make up ideas of how you could get enough, you know, more people active into the group in order to form this group of people to now have something to present to the various or, um, New York City entities that you need to, to present it to. So you identify your issue at your first meeting. And at the first meeting, you know, you're just trying to get everybody. You, everyone's trying to get to know each other if they don't know each other already. And then you're trying to just really narrow into what it is that you want to change. You take one issue and that's what you're going to hone in on. And then you develop your mission statement with just a brief description of your group's fundamental purpose, including the identification of your focus community and the geographic location in which you're going to operate out of. And it's just like, okay, well, why does this group even exist? You know, what was the purpose of putting this group together? So after that, after you identify all that, then you have to identify your goals. And when I was going through this, you know, if anyone's paying attention to how I'm, I'm laying this out, doesn't this sound like our five-year plan? We've already, in our own little world, started our own community organizing. We started community organizing with ourselves. Our community was the different parts of ourselves that we were putting together so that we can get to our goal of our issue of making ourselves a better person. So everything that they were talking about here, I was like, this sounds like my five-year plan, but on my, my five-year plan on a larger scale. So... It's all with the same thing, developing a strategy, which is what we said we were going to make little goals for ourselves every week and put our notes in our gratitude jar. So you develop a strategy of how to achieve the goals that you've set for the group of how you're going to solve this issue that's taking place in your neighborhood. And then you have to identify the allies, you know, find out the people that it might be another neighborhood that's. Or if there's a block association, maybe you don't have a block association. So maybe you just want to put a group together to form a block association so that when there are issues on your block, you have a meeting place and you have people from the block that are interested in cleaning up whatever it is, whatever that issue might be for the block. So when you have that, when they say identify your allies, you have your block association, but there could be a block two blocks over that's dealing with the same issue because when you think of neighborhood, it's not just your block. Your neighborhood is where the entire area of where you live. So it could be another block association that's five blocks away that's dealing with the same issue. And if you can partner with them, figure out if they've been doing it longer than you, you can figure out, okay, what steps have they already taken? So you're not reinventing the wheel. It's just, okay, they've done that already. So now we don't have to do that. Let's pick up from where they did. Well, they didn't do this yet. So now we can take that as our initiative, still working towards that same issue, still going towards that common goal. But if you have someone in the neighborhood that has already started it, why would you have to start from scratch? They may already have numbers to an agency that if you need immediate attention, you can just call them because they already had the number and they could even probably give you a name. Oh, call this office. We've dealt with Betty. She's really good. Once you tell her what the problem is, she'll clean it up for you. And boom, that saved you 
how much time and effort trying to go through to even see who you should call. Because a lot of times when you want to make a change, even if it's just, we'll go back to the garbage scenario. Even if it's something, okay, I have bulk garbage. I have a refrigerator that I need to put out. Do I put it out with the regular trash? Do I have to call some, you know, sanitation specifically? And there are certain groups, there are certain parts of sanitation that, yes, if you want to put out bulk garbage, you have to notify them that you're putting out a refrigerator, that you're putting out furniture so that they can send a specific truck to come pick it up. Because if you're just putting it out on garbage day, the truck that's coming is just thinking about picking up garbage bags. They're not thinking about taking a sofa and a mattress and Yes, if they have room on the truck, they'll do it, but they don't want to because that's considered bulk and they'll send out a special truck just to take that type of stuff. The furniture, the the refrigerators, whatever you might have, they'll take that. So, yes, there are agencies that you have to, there are when you go through agencies, specific parts of that agency that you must notify when you're doing certain things. So if you're talking to the people in that has a block association, but they're in your neighborhood and they've already tackled that for say their block, but you now want to tackle it for your block. They can be a help to you to help you get navigate through the system to get what it is you want to get accomplished. So then they have develop a work plan and a timeline. So now if you're working on this issue, you have to have, you have to set a timeline for yourself to say exactly when you want to get this done. It's not just something that's going to be, you know, open-ended, unless it could be something open-ended and you have to work on it in little increments before you can get the entire thing completed. Like if you want to park, if you want to park in your neighborhood because there's just an open space and you're like, oh, well, could we change this into a park area? That's not going to happen overnight. You know, there's all the bureaucracy that you're going to have to go through and to even see who owns that land and, and all a whole bunch of stuff. Or if you have an old park that's been abandoned, like in some places in the Bronx, they said there's parks, playgrounds that have been abandoned and the city, they're not doing any improvements on it. So one of the groups there, they were talking about how they have um, a committee that's trying to get certain parks opened again, like um, refurbished or um, uh, whatever they do, they have to clean it up and, you know, lay down the new cement and the um, if the kids are going to play, they have to put that plastic foam or whatever so they don't hurt themselves. But they said there's a park there that I guess used to be used back in the day, but no one uses it anymore. But now they want that open space so that people can go and sit if they just want to sit outside. But the city's not cleaning up the park. Or even if you have to walk by this park to get to work, to go to um, any mode of transportation that you're using, a lot of times you don't want to walk by a park that's run down because that's usually where people are hanging out that are really not up to any good. So, but if the park is clean and it's kept up and they have a gate and they lock it at night so that no one can get in and vandalize anything that they've put in there, you feel safer walking by that park as opposed to walking by a park that has every like trash and everything that's in it. Nobody wants to walk by that. And not even from people, but just from rodents. Nobody wants to walk by that if they have to go to work or whatever. So they were talking about certain areas in the Bronx that have parks that are not cleaned up and they're trying to get the parks cleaned up for the people. And I was just like, wow, you know, this is really good. So we went through all that. All those different aspects, knowing the people to get in your group, um, tools for holding people, because sometimes people may join and they might not stay. 
um, knowing that people are doing this as volunteers, so you have to be respectful of their time. And you find out what skills the people have that are coming to your group because there might be someone in there that can be quite helpful. Like I said with my block association, we have a woman in there. I'm not, like I said, I don't know in what capacity she works with New York City, but whatever it is, she finds out the inside stuff that's going on in the mayor's office and downtown that anything that we need to know specifically, she'll tell us for Brooklyn, but specifically for Bed-Stuy, she'll let us know. So that's a skill set that, okay, if no one would have, you know, taken the time to find out exactly what everyone does, that she's become very valuable to us. If there's something we really want to find out, especially about community boards, she'll say, yeah, you know, there's having a community board meeting at such and such time, or we were having, there was a building being built on the corner of the block. And we were wondering, well, how did they get the permit to, you know, put that building up? Because the building is higher than all of the private homes in the neighborhood. And that's what they're doing in Brooklyn. Now, any open spot they're putting in these high rise buildings. Thank God this one's only, I think it has 10. I think it has 10 or 11 stories, but it's still higher than the three family brownstones that are in the neighborhood. So when you go to that corner of the block, it's like, well, you know, wait, where did this come from? And she actually got a person from the community board to come to one of the, one of our block association meetings to explain to us how did they pass that and allow that to get built. And he actually walked us through the whole process but what he said was because of the corner that they built it on, that corner, that avenue is commercial. And how they were able to get that building up is they promised, air quotes, to have a fresh fruit market in the lower level of the apartment building. So it was going to be... um like a little grocery store, but it was just like a little vegetable stand, I guess. And I guess you could get other things in there as well. But that's what the, that's what the, um when they went to the community board and said that they wanted to put the proposal together for the building, they said that the building was going to have on the ground floor, you know, fresh produce and, and, you know, accessibility to vegetables and things for the neighborhood. Like, well, like I said, in my supermarket, the vegetables are like gleaming. Fruit stands, every other block is a vegetable and fruit stand. So it's not like our neighborhood was lack of fresh produce. But for them to get the building built, they put that in their proposal. And because it was on a commercial block, they were able to do it because the, they allowed it because the store was going to be the commercial front, and then they were able to go up. But they did stop them as far as the height. But all that I say all that to say, if you don't, if you're not a part of uh, your block association, or if you don't get into any type of groups where people are doing things in the neighborhood, you don't know these things that are happening. And you're walking by and you're like, where did this come from? But it had been decided a long time ago. But when you have these groups that organize and say, no, we don't want that, they become a powerful force and they really get to 
kind of dictate what happens in the neighborhood and what doesn't happen in the neighborhood. So I say all that to say the class was quite interesting. Like I said, there's it's a series of five classes. There's four others that um, are going to be taking place throughout the rest of February going into March. And lo and behold, I found out I signed up for all five classes. Who would have thought? So now I'm contemplating, am I going to go to the other classes? I mean, this was the main one. This one right here gave you the foundations of if you want to organize, if you want to get a group together, this is what you do. Now, the other ones, they go into more detail, speaking about how to deal with government agencies, um, how to use social media when you finally get your group. Um, what else was it? They had, uh, oh, how to raise funds. Because a lot of times when you're starting these groups, it takes money. And the money that's usually funded into the group, even if it's just for refreshments, it comes from the people that are a part of the group. But say if you need money because you want to have, oh, you want to beautify your block. You want to plant flowers in the tree beds on your block. Like they were saying, that takes money. Who's going to fund that if you don't have a connection where you can get plants for your tree bed? Whereas my block association, we have tree beds. We had, I remember like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, probably 25 years ago, they just, we decided we wanted more trees on the block. So everyone who wanted a tree was able to get a tree in front of their home. I have a tree. Every other house down the block, or sometimes every house down the block, we have trees now. So now my block is like full of trees. It's beautiful in the spring and summer. It's just, it's breezy. You know, when the sun is shining, it just looks beautiful. So we have the tree beds. And last year, they started planting bulbs so that when the spring comes, we'll have flowers that are coming up in the tree beds. Now, normally, everyone that had their home, they would do their own tree beds. Like my mother used to always, before she passed away, would always, every year we had to go to Home Depot to buy new flowers to go in the tree bed and we had to plant them there. And But now the Block Association is now taking up that, uh, that um, activity and they wanted to make it like a community thing. Everybody does the tree beds together. Everybody plants the flowers, you know, to get everybody to get closer on the block. And it worked out beautifully. I didn't plant because I'm not a gardener I, and I probably should be. They say it's very therapeutic. So I might want to start planting a couple of things. But my neighbor actually came by and she was like, you know, I love to garden. Can I put these in you? And I was like, sure, have at it. So she planted the bulbs in my tree bed. But I just didn't say that to say when you have a group and you have a block association or you have a group that wants to come together to do things together it's it's very enlightening and it's very um, energetic and it brings more life to the neighborhood. It lets you know who your neighbors are. And just going to this meeting, 
it opened my eyes a lot to what's really happening in the city, not just what's happening in my borough of Brooklyn, in my neighborhood. Is There's a lot going on in the city that is really, really like, wow, I can't believe that we're actually living like this. I mean, we know that there's people in the city that don't have everything that everyone else has. We know that. But to really see, you know, actually talk to people and they really just actually tell you. Because sometimes when you hear it, you're just like, oh, you know, yeah, we need more affordable housing. Everybody says that. We know that there's, you know, developers that's just making all these buildings that's pricing people out. They're pricing people out of where they're living in their neighborhoods. We know that. But when you really talk to someone that's been put in a shelter because of, like, if you don't know anyone who's actually living that, you know of it and you know what's happening, but to actually know someone that is going through that and you listen to their story, it's really heartbreaking. So I found this quite interesting. And like I said, I don't know what he has for my journey. I don't know where this is taking me, but I'm excited I was a little uncomfortable because it was taking me out of my comfort zone. I was out of my house all day yesterday, all day in the city. That's not what I do. I don't just go out of my house to just be out. I like to be home. But with all that, I say he's bringing change. He's bringing change in me. He's making me more accessible to people. He's making me become more involved in issues that I would not have normally been involved in hands-on. Like, I don't mind sending money donations if you need to get something done. I don't mind. But he's like, no. You need to be there and find out what needs to be done. So if they need papers copied, you go to the copier and make the copies. You know, it's, it's, it's like on that level now. It's like, no, you don't just sit behind the scenes and say, oh, yeah, I can write a check. Oh, yeah, I'll donate. Let someone else do it. No. He now has me, I believe, getting more involved. But I'm not sure to what extent he's getting me involved. But I guess if it's part of my journey, I just have to suck it up and go with it, right? Because I know ultimately I want the best that he has for me. Like when we talked about with the relationships and he's He's broadening my relationships. He's opening my circle. He's giving me another network of people that I need to speak into or gain access from them. Hey, we have a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, this is your girl, your Virginia girl. How are you today? Good morning, Virginia girl. Good morning. Good morning. I'm really excited about this information simply because... Right now, whether you know it or not, you're the voice of the people, the voice to the people for the people. (laughs) Because of this five-year plan, we may not know how to organize, how to get our our plan to its fruition of its reality. And when you mentioned about wheelchairs, um, my son's in a wheelchair, and he just completed his one-year program. But he said getting around the city is an adventure. And so... Getting access to information, getting government um, information in terms of who to call, where to call, where to go, putting it on social media, um, the voice to how do we get people to say, you know what, 
if this is an issue for all of us, we can raise the money because we want to see some kind of change. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you and I admonish you to, if not just go, <laughs> we, we, we know you don't like to go, right? <laughs> but we, we, I'm in Virginia, so I'm not going to know which New York City agency or which information to contact or what website to look on. So I admonish you to get as much information because you are the help organize us to get our five-year. And even if it's, you know, I'm going to make sure that when I'm in New York next time, that if I go to a meeting because it's going to benefit my son because he's in a wheelchair, I would have known it because it was your information that you provided for us. So I encourage you to keep pushing on. It's a wonderful experience. It's a wonderful opportunity to always hear you give us because it gives us charge to being accountable and ownership for how are you going to really have a five-year plan if you're not going to do anything? You know what I mean? So yes. thank you so much. And <laughs> I look forward to hear about the rest of these classes. Um, and, and be encouraged because it, it's it's the first opportunity um, to hear what's going on somewhere else. Because when you are in your own world, it's difficult for us to realize that there's going to be a plan without others included. Yes, yes. So be encouraged, stay strong, and this is your Virginia girl calling you and missing on you so much. So thanks so much again, and and listeners, be active and and hold her accountable to giving us some more information. (laughs) Have a blessed day. day You too. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for that call. I needed that, and I knew someone listening out there was going to say, oh, no, you keep going. And I'm glad to hear that the information that I give to you people on the radio is beneficial. And that's what I try to do. I'm not here on the radio. Like I said from before, I'm not here on the radio just to hear myself speak because although he has me as a speaker, I didn't have to start on the radio. And I said, I will be here on the radio, on the air, doing this program as long as your hearts are still reaching out to God on a regular basis, he's going to have me sitting here to give it, give you what it is that you need to have. That's my sole purpose of here being on the radio, besides the fact of, yes, he's given me practice to be able to speak to people, but he could have put me in any arena to get practice to speak to people. So I really feel in my spirit, especially when we started the five-year plan come the new year, that my reason for being here every Sunday is because you guys need to hear what it is he has for me to say to you. And I am so thankful for that. I look, that is a total blessing. And that's why every opportunity that I get, I thank all of you all the time. And speaking of thanks, in my adventure of yesterday, because I was out in the city, out and about, after I was finished this conference, of course, you know, I was in the 14th Street area, Union Square. So they have all these new stores up there. And see, that's another thing, too. When I venture out, I'm so surprised at everything that's happened because the whole city is changing. So needless to say, I go wander into Dwayne Reed because I like going in drugstores for whatever reason. I just like walking around in drugstores, even if I don't have anything to buy. There's just something about drugstores that I like. So I'm walking around in Dwayne Reed and I'm like, oh, makeup. I guess because I like to buy makeup and lipstick and stuff like that. There was this one woman there that worked in the cosmetic department. She told me her name. Of course, you know, I forgot. I didn't write it down. I know it starts with an S, but I don't even want to try to say what I think it is to mess it up. But she was just such a breath of fresh air. And I just wanted to just give her a shout out because 
when you run into people that are just a breath of fresh air and just make your experience that much better, it's just so it's just so enlightening. I mean, it just makes your heart so happy that, you know, everyone's not walking around miserable and people are willing to just want to help you with whatever it is. So we stood there and we were chatting for like a half hour talking about makeup and she's showing me all these different brands and this different line and we're doing all these different colors. We just had an amazing day. To me, that was exciting for me because, like I said, I like walking around in drugstores. But the fact that she even just took the time and she was like, oh, sure, you know, did you did you ever look at this? Did you try this? It was just amazing. So I just wanted to give her a shout out and just say to everyone who works in a service industry, just always have a smile on your face. Just always have a smile on your face because you just never know whose day that you're making. I mean, I was having a good day anyway, but what if I wasn't having a good day? She would have definitely brightened my day. So. Keep that smile on your face. My time is running out this day. I mean, my hours just go by so quickly now. Tune in next week. We'll see what's happening for next week. It's Valentine's Day if you guys celebrate that. Um, it's President's Weekend next week. So some people may have a three-day weekend. That's great. But I'm so glad that you tuned in with me today. I want everyone to have a blessed week. Enjoy the rest of your day. Keep working on your five-year plan. I hope you're still putting all your your accomplishments in your gratitude jar. I hope that you're checking off your goals and we'll be back here again next week to discuss whatever God puts on my heart again. So until then, be blessed.